You are listening to 12.1. I am Amy Kirkpatrick, and this is a podcast about being a disciple of Jesus and imitating the Master. Hello, and thank you so much for listening. This is actually the very first episode of the 12.1 podcast, and I am so grateful that you are here from the very beginning. I hope you will stick with me and just go through this journey with me. It's sure to be a pretty fun and kind of crazy ride. So today I'm actually recording in my father's workshop. As I said before, my family is traveling all over the nation, and we are going just from place to place, just enjoying the beauty of what America is. Um, but we are also just enjoying family time and and really taking up the opportunity just to ask God what he is asking of us and just be able to step in that and enjoy the process of just having nothing stopping us from following God's will right now. And so uh, currently right now we are on the Oregon coast visiting my family And my only real quiet recording spot with two dogs in the house and a six-year-old running around is here at my dad's wood shop. And this place is actually super, super special to me. This is about as nostalgic as it gets, as this is the place where my dad would come in and create all the cabinetry for our house, all the furniture in our house, and pretty much create anything that came to his mind. And here I am, you know, he's been doing this for 50 years and here I am in his workshop after all those years and I'm able to look around and see all the tools I've been seeing for, for all that time, these old tools. And he has a tool for absolutely every single thing that you could possibly imagine needing it for. And he's got wood from all over the world leaning against the walls and his power tools are all out. And he's currently right now building out the cabinetry for the house he just built, you know, and when I think about it, my dad is by far the best uh, wood craftsman I've ever met in my entire life. And he's talented and creative and just an amazingly intelligent man and just the kindest heart. You know, and it's it's amazing as I watch my six-year-old come into this garage and kind of have the same experiences I had when I was little where he gets to come out and kind of help with some of the projects. And my dad has created, you know, a little saw uh, set up for him to cut some wood. And he's creating his own creations that a six-year-old would create. And Caden has come out here many times. And he has come out to his grandpa asking for help with things. And he's come to realize, and as in his own words, he thinks that his grandpa is the smartest man in the entire world. And he just has such a high view of my dad that he just thinks he can fix anything, that he's kind of this guy that has a tool for everything. And obviously, that's what I think, too, because that was that was my childhood. And I'm seeing it lived out in my son as well. And so, you know, I I watch this. I watch this interaction between grandpa and son. And it's amazing the childlike faith that my son has in my dad. Uh, Just seeing him as the ultimate person to come to with all sorts of issues and struggles and things that need to be fixed. And it makes me think about my own relationship with God uh, and how if we had that childlike belief system in our God, that he had a tool for everything, that he had an answer for everything, that he was the most brilliant person we could possibly go to, and that he had a wealth of years of knowledge and wisdom and experience, that we could come to him with absolutely anything 
I think that we would come to him with a lot more things. And what I'm finding is that my dad comes in this garage and he almost can't get any work done because my son is coming out here so often wanting to talk with him, wanting to do projects with him. And it's just cool to see that as as my dad continues to interact with him and solving those problems and showing him new things that he can create and showing how to use spray paint and all this stuff, the more my, my son wants to come out here and he wants to be out here in the creation process. And it's just kind of a, a really cool thing to sit in this garage and just see what is being handed down to my son, but also that amazing relationship of childlike faith. And I think as a child, we don't doubt people. We don't, we don't see the struggles in people the way adults do. It's just a really, really neat thing to see my son have such a, such a beautiful uh, faith in a craftsman, right? Just like we should have a beautiful faith in our craftsman, who, who is Jesus Christ, who is God. Uh, and that if we believe that, if we were able to sit in that and look at it the way a child would, the way my, my son does, that we would come into that workshop so much more and we would sit in this place of awe so much more and we'd be so much more excited to bring our issues and our struggles and the things we need fixing and we'd come to our creator and we'd create with him. That's the beauty of all this is that my son doesn't do these things, these creations that he's making um, on his own. He comes in with with an idea and a and a or an issue, and then my dad sits with him, and they work through it together and try to problem solve and figure out the best way to handle it. And I think that's so much of how our God works, is that he helps us. He, t- he goes with us, and he discusses it with us, and he teaches us through it. Anyway, I just I just thought it was just kind of a really neat setting uh, for my first few podcasts to be set in, in a place that has taught me so much over the years. With all that being said, I want to just pause for a second because there's something that I really, really need to share today that I think interweaves with everything about my dad's workshop. And that is the fact that for the last five years, I have been wrestling with this idea of what it means to be still. It's something that kept coming up in my life over and over and over again, starting about five years ago. It just seemed like every sermon, it seemed like every time I was talking to somebody, books I would read, songs I would hear, it just kept mentioning, be still, be still. And it was something that honestly started to really annoy me. Now, I've come to realize that whenever I'm kind of annoyed by something uh, that's particularly uh, a part of the spiritual <laughs> spiritual walk, it tends to mean that it's something that I'm struggling in or that I don't like because it's fighting up against my flesh. And back when I was first hearing it, I kept hearing it and hearing it. But the other side of the story is that I was also going through a really, really massive struggle. And I was praying every single day, like on my knees, face to the ground, at the throne of God, praying and praying, fasting, doing everything I could to petition before my Lord asking for help, asking for relief for this particular situation I was in. And I wasn't hearing anything. I was feeling like I was bringing myself, that I was coming with with my prayers and that I should, I should hear something, that I should get some sort of reaction back. And I wasn't. I wasn't getting anything. And I was getting so, so angry with the fact that I needed help and he wasn't answering. And so as I continue to pray and pray, and I want to say this was months and months, if not years, I don't totally remember exactly how it all came together, but I started to notice this theme of be still come over and over and over and over. 
And there was a point in time when I had to pause and just kind of, you know, sit in the church service I was in or listening to the song. And I had to sit there and start to ask myself, is this something that the Lord is trying to tell me? And so I started to pray, um, not so much asking God to relieve or to take away the situation, but starting to pray and ask God if there was something within the situation that I needed to work on. What is in my heart? If you're not changing the situation, then what are you asking me to do to walk through the situation? How am I supposed to be growing? And once I started asking that question, the be still thing really started to sink on my heart that it wasn't something I was hearing anymore in sermons, but it was something I was hearing spoken into me as I was praying. I was hearing God say, be still, Amy, be still. And that's when I started to realize that this was God talking all along, that all along he was trying to reach me, all along he was trying to help me grow and to help see him in the midst of this thing. But I really didn't want to hear it. It wasn't something that I wanted to accept that I needed to taken this idea of be still. Now, part of the problem is that my idea of be still meant that I thought I needed to become a doormat, that I needed to be lazy and I needed to back off the situation and basically allow the situation to take over me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that's kind of how we often feel in life, that when there is a sickness, when there's a struggle with another human being, when there's bad relationships, when there is hurt and pain, we tend to automatically feel like it's starting to consume us and that we need to fight back. We need to do something in order to not feel consumed. So be still was not something I was necessarily super excited to hear that God was telling me. So when I started to really dig into the concept of be still, I decided to step into the be still idea in a, in a way that kind of became a habit for me. As a teacher, I'd have kids ask me questions or I would need to study a a specific concept and I would have kind of a habit, a a way of going about starting my research. And it wasn't necessarily anything spiritual. It was just my my way, the way my brain works. But what I did is I decided that I was going to kind of do a study, a word study, but also a cultural and historical study of the word and and the verse. So with Be Still, I first started trying to understand who said it first? Why did they say it? What was happening in culture? What was happening in history? Uh, what was what was the context? Um, and then I would start to do an actual word study on it. So trying to understand what the ling- original language said about the word. So I first started in Psalm 46. That's where it's first mentioned. And I'm reading through Psalm 46. And it's really, really clear that this entire passage is all about turmoil and struggle and how God is at the center of all that being the ever-present refuge. And and right then and there, you know, as I'm reading Psalm 46, I feel like some of my own heart was being poured out in the page. And I was I was hearing about a struggle that I was also going through, obviously, a different struggle, but it felt relatable. And then I was seeing those words, be still. And I want to be clear also that whenever God said it, he never said anything more than be still. It was just those two words. So I felt like he was very clearly telling me to focus on the be still and that, you know, the rest of the story would kind of be revealed. So what I started to do is started to look at what it meant to be still, like the word still, why was that word chosen and not anything else? And so I started looking at the original language. If you guys don't know really how to do that, my favorite place and my favorite way of doing that is going to biblehub.com. And I just went on there, looked up the verse, and then I find it in the Hebrew, and then I look at the word, and then it will take you through a summary of all, all the meanings. And so what I found is that 
That word still, when it uses used in context of all the spots throughout the entire Bible, it will kind of create a summary of how it was used throughout the Bible. And it says to sink and relax, become helpless, collapse, fall limp. And then it gives some visuals um, of a sinking down like hay on fire. And this is the one that really, really stuck with me. It's the sinking or dropping of wings. And it was right then and there, right in that moment that I started to allow my imagination to flow. Instead of stepping into something else, instead of starting to do more research, I just sat and let it just sit for a second and allowed my imagination to go. And I started to think about birds and how they act and and what it means for a bird to actually drop its wings. And I just started to think that a bird that is feeling fearful for its life won't drop its wings. A bird that is gathering food for its babies and is busy trying to provide for its new family won't drop its wings. A bird that needs to build a nest, um, a bird that is migrating, right, will only put its wings down at the very end of that day and will find a resting spot after the whole flight is done. And it started to make me realize that this idea of lowering your wings means that it's to settle into a place of peaceful rest. And there was something that kind of changed inside me because I started to realize that I wasn't being asked to be still in all the things that was I was managing in life. I wasn't being asked to let go of my ministry or to stop doing the things that God was calling me to. I was I was called to be a mother. I was called to be a wife. I was called to be a teacher, a coach. I had all these things that I was doing, but be still didn't mean that I stopped doing them. It didn't mean that I I took a backseat and allowed people to treat me poorly or whatever was in my head. But what be still meant was that I no longer had to be the one to micromanage my life in order to control the chaos. I needed to allow myself to stop being in that place of trying to find control, trying to find a way to not feel suffocated by the situation I was in. It was that verse, be still, that gave me peace. I started to cross off all the items off my metaphorical to-do list and I felt free. For the first time, I felt free. It's now God's job to manage the person's heart I've been praying for. It is now his work to mend the situation that I've been aching over. It was now up to him to heal the person's struggle. I realized that I was trying to get my hands into everything, say the right thing, trying to intervene in bad situations. I was trying to step in and fill in all the gaps, not trusting God to be the gap filler. So I was constantly just reacting, reacting, and reacting, and quite honestly, emotionally reacting. I was bringing the very gut instincts into every situation, just trying to survive, just trying to feel like I wasn't drowning, just trying to feel like I wasn't going to be consumed by something. When when, When I sat there and thought about it, I was being called to a very specific thing and all this micromanaging, all the the getting involved, all the things I was managing were all things that were extracurriculars and they were breaking me down. And I started to realize that I couldn't be in the struggle and also do all the management of the chaos. I couldn't I couldn't sit there and and ache in my own heart and struggle in my own life and also handle all the chaos that was coming from all the stuff that I was trying to do to manage the chaos. I don't know if that makes sense. I 
I feel like I was stirring up the water and it was getting all cloudy and dirty. And then I was crying out to the Lord saying, I can't see, I can't see where to swim. And he's like, stop stirring up the dirt, (laughs) right? And so that's what I felt like be still was to me is that I needed to let go of all the outcomes. I need to let go of all the things I was doing to try to make my situation feel more comfortable and be still meant that I needed a pause and know that my God and know, be still and know that my God was going to be victorious, that he would be glorified through my situation. Now, that didn't mean that it was immediately going to get healed. It didn't mean that it was immediately going to become easy, but that I needed to stick to the tasks of what God asked me to do. And so I started to ask myself, what does that mean? How do I do that? And I started to realize that what worked for me, and maybe this won't work for you guys, but what worked for me is I started to wake up every morning and I started to very clearly ask God, what is it that you have for me today? Some days it meant that I was going to be really busy and I was going to be a coach and a teacher and I had a track meet that day and whatever. And I was going to be busy, but my job was to be with my kids and to minister to my kids and love them with all my heart. Some days it was going to be a weekend and I was going to be just with my son and it was just going to be a mommy Sunday and I was going to pour my heart into that. Some days I was, I really needed to sink away and just really you know, take care of myself because I was falling apart because my heart needed mending because I needed peace and quiet because I needed to sit with my Lord and and be repaired. And it just depended on the day. But I felt like going into it with a mission and a clear objective helped me to kind of realize that I didn't have to just fall into and and kind of absorb any situation that came at me. Now, what I also realized that comes back to this whole woodshop idea is that sitting down and doing the be still study is me willingly walking into the wood shop. I came in with all the tools that God has, with all the wisdom, all the brilliance, all the power, all the authority. And I walked into that wood shop and I said, okay, I'm not necessarily super pumped about what you're about to tell me, but I'm willing to walk in the wood shop. And if you would like to show me how to fix this, then I, I want to hear And I'm willing to sit in this workshop day in and day out and learn from you. And I'm willing for you to shape and change and and mold me however you need to. And I feel like that's exactly what my son does. And this is kind of what I did as a kid is I'd come in and just observe and I would just watch and I would just take it in and sometimes do projects with my father. And here I am doing projects with my glorious divine father asking him to mold and build a new heart in me and that's when I started to grow but it wasn't until I walked into the workshop I didn't want to come in here for so long and when I finally did he just started pulling out tools and started showing me all the different things and it was suddenly not so scary and I realized that that with the right tool things can be resolved pretty pretty easily and it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to let go of control and to allow there to be chaos when there sometimes isn't answers for it. Um, but I realized that my heart was at peace. And when my heart's at peace, I can be a better nurse. That I don't have to be the doctor with the medication, but I can be a best nurse possible. I can love on people and I can encourage them. And when my heart is in a good place, when I am taken care of, I can then feed into others the way they need it. And I felt like my ministry blossomed. I felt like everything in my life just took off because suddenly I was sitting back and doing just what God asked me to do. 
encourage you all to go read Psalm 46 and just see how it sits and marinates with you. I hope that it will be something that will help you to also see how you can let go and allow the craftsman to be alive in your life. Thank you so much for listening to the 12-1 podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Grace and peace.